Law. First of all, um, remember on the 6th, this Thursday, Brad Hami is coming. There are few from outside wanting to hear him because he is one of prominent Maori leaders, not just in Christianity, out there. Um, he's a producer as well as, what do you call the, those that write shows and stuff like that? And so if you want to come, just, just let Catherine know. This is for leaders, but we just feel to open it up because he, he is very incredible. incredible. Yeah. God uses him <coughs> to share things about the nation, Aotearoa, that we don't hear other people speak about. So Thursday on the 6th, start 7.30, but for Southside 7.15. We don't want him to come before us. And then the, the rest of the month will be spiritual disciplines. Wow, Robin's supposed to teach it. Now I have to take his place. Thank you, Father. It has to keep going. And so, yeah, let's pray. Let's prepare your hearts and my heart. Father, we come again and I ask you to just hide me that only you will be heard, Lord, because my words mean nothing unless you anoint them. And so I pray that only your words will be heard by your people from the youngest to the oldest. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I hope all of you have your Bible, even if you're only 12, 13, 14. Jesus started talking, started debating with the priest and the preachers at the age of 12. So no excuse for you guys. When you reach 12, you are an adult. And I would like to call it, when you reach 12 year old, 12th year, you are an adult. <coughs> Meaning you stand before the Lord for your decisions. Okay, this is the season that is, I feel the Lord is wanting us to come up and occupy a space that we don't usually occupy. We cannot live in a crisis mode, spiritually speaking. We cannot live on crisis mode, spiritually speaking for this season, but generally for Christians, when you are grown up in the spirit, whether you're only 11, 12, we need to live differently in the spirit. So be listening, because this is the thing I am still learning. It is so important that we get this. Walking with Jesus is not magic. Jesus never promised that we will have easy life. Never. If you want to become a Christian to have easy life, Jesus said, in this world, you'll face many troubles. There you go. We have to teach and share it with people who want to come to Jesus. Because if we say, come to Jesus and everything will be smooth and honky-dory, we are lying. Give the truth. Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. I'm only sharing what you already know, so especially for parents and adults. But I'm sharing what you already know, but what you don't know. I'm sharing what I know, but I don't know. Joshua chapter 1, you know with the truth of God, the paradox is you know but you don't know. Just because you've, you have heard a scripture a thousand times doesn't mean you know it. Unless God opens that up to us. 
Just Joshua 1 verse 5. <clears throat> Can someone read that out loud? Thank you. Wow, what a promise. Wouldn't that be good to have that promise? No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. No one will mess up with you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, standing on the threshold, he could actually see the promised land from where he was standing. This is Joshua. And yet he knew that seven kings... And 40 nations he had to defeat before he entered the promised land. All of us have promised land. Rasala said that last week. What is it that you say? The, the gate to destiny is guarded by hordes of hell. And that is really true. Joshua, look. The Lord has promised. I will give that land to you. He looked and he's thinking, okay, but God, there's 40 nations that I have to defeat before I get to that land. This promise is similar to what Jesus gave to his disciples in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Can someone someone read that one out? Thank you. <coughs> Luke 10, verse 19. I've given you authority to trample on I've given you authority or power to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome or defeat all the power of the enemy. Satan, nothing will harm you. Jesus promised to the disciples when he sent them out. Joshua was sent out so Israel can have a place to live. We saw this week, Rasella had to go somewhere to live. Joshua was sent out by God to go and defeat the kings and nations in that land because that land has been marked for Israel. The 12 disciples were sent out to start the Church of Christ. That's why we existed or exist. And the promise is similar. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. That's for us as well. <coughs> trample on snakes. Snakes actually are Satan. Snakes and scorpions. Satan and his hordes, his army. Jesus said to the 12 disciples, to you and me, I have given you authority to trample on Satan and his hordes and to overcome, to defeat all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Wow. That is so challenging to my human thinking. Is he lying? You look at yourself. Man, I get sick. Man, I get slammed. Jesus isn't lying. No matter what we are experiencing, what Jesus said there, everything that he says in this book is true because God has no ability to lie. We do. The devil does, 
Jesus never lies. He said this. You know, I always read this as a challenge for me. Either he is right and true or he is a liar. God is not a liar. I believe him. God has never lied to me. The promises to Joshua and to the disciples are linked to the appointments. Those two promises are linked to being sent out. Because he doesn't give such awesome promise for us to live a life to be that people should envy. We're given that promise because we are sent out to be what? Jesus said to his disciples, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That is the reason why we are called to follow. That we bring others to God. And the way we bring others to God is not the way we think we should do it. The way we think we should do it, it's full with condemnation, guilt, strife, concocting our own strategy, marketing and everything. That's not Jesus' way. Jesus said, follow me. Do you see Jesus did that? Do that? No. He just lived as one with the Father. The promises of God do not stand, does not stand in a vacuum. How do we enter such overarching promise? How do, how do we enter that? How do we own that? The template has been set, established by two people, Joshua and Jesus. The funny thing is, Joshua's name in Hebrew is Yehoshua. Jesus' real name is not Jesus. Yehoshua. So the template has been given, Yehoshua and Yehoshua. You know what Yehoshua means? Salvation. God is salvation. The template, how to live to that promise that God has given us, is by looking at how Jesus has lived and how Joshua has lived. How do they live? One word. Surrender. That's how Jesus lived. It's not by marketing. It's not by planning awesome, incredible plans. They're so incredible to bring many to the Lord. Yes, God gives us plan. Only when he gives us plan. Not when we concoct our own incredible plan. There's one plan. Surrender. Both <coughs> Jesus and Joshua, both Yehoshua and Yehoshua lived in high caliber of submission to God. <coughs> to surrender and to be appointed are two inseparable parts. Sometimes people think by going out into the nations they don't need to surrender, it's wrong. You surrender because you're going to be sent out. Ask Bailey. When you go out there to Indonesia, you have to lean on God, right? That's right. Even more so. To surrender is the golden key in walking out this life. It is the most potent spiritual weapon against the power of darkness. Surrender is the secret to endless strength. Surrender is the most impenetrable fortress around you. Surrender to God. You know, we like to quote Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. And then the promises that followed. No sickness will come near you. The enemy will not come near you. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. The arrow can be accusation against you. And yet, they come to you. So what is God's promise? 
Remember the story of Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were put in the furnace of fire and they came out without any of the hair get singed. But they had to go in the, in the furnace. That's what we, we, that's what we experience. We get put in the furnace. Robin is in the furnace. But his promise is as if that never happened to you. I know it's true. Okay, go back to Psalm 91 verse 1. He who dwells always puts she, or Frowley. Frowley who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. But the thing is, you forget the dwells. He who dwells, meaning abiding, no fighting, no kicking, no trying to get out, no arguing with the living God. You dwell. You dwell. Meaning be still. Stop arguing. Shut up. That's what it means. Shut up. Listen to the Holy Spirit. That's what dwells means. Then all the promises will follow. Can you do that? It's hard. Because it's hard. Why? Because we laugh to think we are so clever and have all the arguments, so we keep doing it. We are so in love with ourselves. Anyway, go back to surrender. The secret of getting into the promise of God or not being harmed by the devil or being able to trample the Satan and his cohorts is by surrender. The word surrender, what does that conjure up to your mind? What does that conjure up to your mind? Josiah, when I say surrender, what picture comes to your mind? Hmm? Hey. Many, when they hear that, they think defeat. That's right. Defeat and inactivity. The first one is right. The second is wrong. Surrender is defeat. Your pride getting defeated. The only time we are able to surrender to God when our pride is completely defeated. No wonder God has to do all sorts of things to break that pride from off us. Because why? Pride cannot take you to the will of God. Pride cannot enter the presence of God. You cannot worship God when you have pride filling up you. It's impossible to be a worshiper of God and have pride as its main stronghold. Pride cannot enter heaven. Why is that? Because the base of the power of Satan is pride. Remember he was Lucifer. He was the archangel that leads worship in heaven then, before he rebelled. But his pride came up. He wanted to be like God. That is the main power base of Satan. If you want to be set free of Satan, then deal with the pride before God. Pride can come also in the form of fear, in the form of self-pity, in the form of bitterness, in the form of showing off, in the form of arguing against what is right and truth. Pride can come by refusing to be part of God's community when God has sent you to be part of the community. I'm not just talking about Southside. That is pride. To refuse everything God has placed for me. You know, this, this message is first for me. That's how God dealt with me. 
I always, I have, oh, I have testified how I was so proud intellectually. God had to break that. He had to take away the ability to think, the ability to have critical thinking. I don't wish that on anybody. If your strength is in your singing, for example, if God takes that away, you will know what it means to not exist. If your strength is in your thinking and God takes that away, you will know how it feels to not exist while you're still living. If your pride or your strength is in your wealth, if that is standing between you and God, He can take that away from us. Then we will know what it feels. Have you ever been in a place where you have nothing to eat at all? My family and I had been in that place many times over. My father's family. But we can say this. We never starve. We never go hungry. That's why I always said God never lied to me. We didn't have cake. We didn't have ice cream. We didn't have the good meat. But we have corn rice. That's all we ate for a whole month. But we never starved. You take a look at Joshua's life. Because they're the template. Joshua. When God said, I've given the land to you, and he was one of the 12 spies sent by Moses to spy the land. The 10 spies came back and said, we can't go there, they're, they're so weak. You know, the giants were so big, we're so weak. We look like, what did they say? Grasshopper, hoppers. They're giants. Joshua and Caleb. Oh, let's have a look. Because you might not believe me. Let's have a look. Anyway, before we go there, let's go to James 4, verse 6 to 7. It's not going to be a long message, but it takes our listening. <coughs> the reason I can preach this because he has been working this on me. <coughs> I'm not speaking out of a as a person who has arrived, far from it. But I have to preach the truth, despite of my truth. Despite of my reality that I'm not there, I have to preach the truth. James 4, 6 and 7. But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Remember what I said? Pride cannot enter heaven. Pride cannot take us to God's perfect will. Well, actually, God made him, makes himself an enemy, the enemy to pride. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You will know when God opposes you, you will know. You will know. There's no second thought about it. You will know when he himself, he himself opposes you. I know. And then verse 7, submit or surrender yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Is only after we have surrendered, we can say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go. Only after we have surrendered. There was a friend of ours that watched Robin did deliverance. And I saw it in his eyes. Envy came up to his eyes. He despised Robin every time Robin was doing deliverance. And I remember watching him because my job as a wife is to pray for my husband. So I will watch people. I watch the activity of the demonic. 
I watched this man, who's a big man, like John's size, but bigger. And then one day he did that. He did that deliverance that he wanted to do. Guess what? The demons in that person just bite his, his nose and whack him to the, to the ground. Yes, giver, Jesus has given us the power to bring deliverance, to cast out demons. But the secret is always in the surrendering. And getting rid of pride, any type of pride. Ministry is ripe with that. Competition among pastors, evangelists, you name it, is worse sometimes. Because why? They are called to be messengers of God. So, moving along. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 6 says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. There you go. Humility attracts the Holy Spirit. Humility attracts the help of God. Humility attracts God. Humility takes us to his perfect will. Surrender means, one, we know what surrender is, but just like to spell it out here. One, to agree with God in everything that he says. That's surrender. It's not, act, it's not inactive. When you have to agree and you have to act according to your agreement, it's not inactive. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Do not think you are so clever that you do not need God or you do not need God's people. He uses his people to talk to us. Verse 6, in all your ways, submit, again that word, or surrender to him. Again, secret to living in the perfect will of God, to living in his authority. Submit and he will make your path straight. Number two, surrender means to obey what Jesus said, carry your cross. Jesus said, carry your cross. People always think cross is, oh, when, when, when you, you have a um, sick child, you know, long term, that's my cross. Not necessarily. Or when you have hard time for a long time, that's my cross. Not necessarily. Your cross, my cross, is the perfect will for you and for me. The perfect will of God for me. Jesus' cross is the perfect will of God for him. What is it? To die a tortured death on the cross. Sarah Rose preached about it this morning. I just wept. That's an anointed word. That's the perfect will for Jesus Christ. That's his cross. Like she said this morning, there is no other way that we could be saved but Jesus dying for us. Your destiny, you are the only one that can fulfill it. That's your cross. What's your cross? It's not to be some incredible famous preacher. If you are, then there will be a cross. You know why? Accusations, suffering will come to you as well. Because that's what cross means. It always takes something that is precious to us. His perfect will is always against our own will. Always. Incredible. We often talk about, oh, his perfect will. Yes. There is peace in that. Perfect peace. And remember Jesus went to Gethsemane. And what did he say to the Father? Please, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. 
There is always that wrestling with God when it comes to His perfect will for you. There's always a wrestling with God when it comes to His calling, highest calling on your life. Carry your cross. Offense our sense of pride and arrogance. His perfect will offense. You know, just like what Rasella has shared a lot, when Robin prayed in part intercession and called her to be an intercessor, that was an offense to her. But the thing is, she's so honest. She would say that without rebelling. But she wrestled with it. That's how we should do it. What is your cross? There's highest cost. The highest cost will be your cross. Hey, coming to New Zealand. That's my cross. I don't know. I didn't know this land. I wanted to go to America. Where I could be famous. America was where things were going. And or England. I was ready to go. Famous places. Famous nations. Then the Lord just turned me around. New Zealand. <laughs> I didn't know New Zealand existed. But the thing is about coming away. Is my family. I am a family person. To living on my own here. In the midst of nations I did not know. I used to pray to God, take me back. Robin used to hear because, you know, as husband and wife, you say things loudly. And one day he had had enough of me. He said, be careful that God does not answer that rebellious prayer. You know what? I stopped. There was the, in the first year of my marriage. Uh, moving along. <laughs> It's hard when you go back there. You feel it again. You know. After you have lived in the perfect will of God. After you have, you have initially defeated the hordes of hell standing at the door of your destiny. Then you realize how incredible it is. I can say, this is my home. You know what? Indonesia will always be my root. Uh, this is my home. It's true. This is my paradise. Okay, let's have a look quickly. Matthew 16, verse 21 to 25. I'm not going to cut short my sermon, so don't even try to <coughs> pressure me. <laughs> Sometimes I do feel the pressure from the people. <laughs> finish, finish now. Matthew 16, verse 21 to 25. I'll read that. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, after they have enjoyed, you know, seeing the miracles, being part of the famous Jesus, phew, imagine the pride, explained to his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day <laughs> be raised to life. Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must deny themselves and all their plans and take up their cross, take up God's perfect will and follow me. For whosoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What does that mean? Meaning if you keep trying to hold on to your own plan, to your wealth, to your dignity, then you will lose your life. <coughs> Surrender. Peter, eh? Trying to talk Jesus out of it. With such a conflict. Confidence. 
Some of you have been called, but you've been stopped by the most, the closest to you. Be very careful that you do not miss your highest destiny because one of the closest ones around you talk you, talks you out of it. When you go to heaven, the person who talked you out of it will not be severely, you will be severely punished. You know why? Because it's your decision and you're the one that has hurt God, have hurt God. The other one didn't know. Peter would just be speaking out of his own logical thinking, but Jesus was the one that knew the will of God for him. Moving along. So, <coughs> surrender is the key to be an effective witness to bring people to God. Okay, I have another illustration, a real illustration, life illustration. I learned a lot from, from friends, from those in front of me. I learned a lot. I learned quickly because you know why? It's better to learn from observation than learning in the pit itself. It's better. So watch our lives as well. <laughs> and don't repeat our mistakes. Or imitate us in the things that we have been obedient to Jesus. I always look at Rob for the things that he has been obedient to God. It's powerful. Look at to your, to your wife or husband. You can learn. You get to your best friend. Look at your best friend. You can learn. So you don't have to go through the horrible times because of being disobedient. My friend, they were pastors like us. They were called to be pastors. Some of you know this story. It's easy to do. And one day, she felt... She didn't want to be pastor anymore because, and she, she told me about it. We had debate. She said, well, so good to pastor, but you know, that's, that's past now. Oh, what are you doing now? Oh, I've applied to work at schools, be chaplain at schools. If you're called to be chaplain at schools, go for it. But she was called and her husband to pastor God's community like Southside so off she went because I want to reach people out there people in the church have had enough of the word of God my gosh you know if, if people in the church have had enough listening to the word of God then Jesus had made mistakes to create the church that's what she said she went. After a year, came back, said, so what's the result? Has anyone come to the Lord? No. Yes, because she wasn't called out there. She wasn't called to be evangelist. She wasn't called to be chaplain at schools. It's just her blimmin' good idea. Our good idea is not good enough if it's not God's idea. And then she turned to me. She said, what about you? I said, that's funny. I never counted people that came to the Lord, people that are being transformed. That time I said, 30 people have come to the Lord without me evangelizing them. They just came to me. I want to receive Jesus. People got delivered. People got healed. Be at the place. Surrender to his will for you. Then you will be fishers Fisher of men and women. <laughs> Fisher of people. If you are in the will of God and you're doing everything he instructs you to do, people will be transformed, will come to the Lord in due course or during the time you're serving. Number three. Remember one, number one and two? <laughs> What's number one? 
Surrender means to agree with God. Number two, obey what Jesus said, carry your cross. Number three, to live where Jesus is seated in the heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father. Many people begin to turn off here. To live where Jesus is seated in the heavenly realms. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 3. Let's open that one. So you can see with your eyes. Remember what who preached the other time? No, I didn't, and nobody did. <laughs> God preached it to me. That the word of God, even reading the scripture, is good. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Has someone found it? Yeah, thanks. When Christ, or verse 4? When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with them and glory. You have been raised with Christ, you and me. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. We live where our mind is. I say it again. We live where our mind is. We often look at this scripture thinking, Eh, it's so nebulous. No, it's not. The Bible is very pra practical. To live where Jesus is. How? With your mind. Where your mind is, that's where you live. Where your heart is, that's where you live. That's why the Bible says, here, set your minds on things above. Set your hearts on things above, meaning above this world. Meaning about what Jesus says. About what the Bible says. Very practical. Very practical. You switch off. But this is a golden key. Because that's where we should be. That's where the season God wants to put us in. To live above. Where is it? Ephesians 1 verse 21. Nicole, can you read that one out? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 21. Where is that above? Good. That's where we are. Above all rule, authority, power and dominion. Do you know what it means? Above all the rulers of darkness of Satan, of demons. All rulers, including the banks, including schools, including the police. So, I will give you another story. Is that okay? This is the story. The story of living where Jesus is. Despite circumstance. The story of my life. Above all rule, authority, power and dominion. Above all rules of evil powers. Of principalities out there. They are real. Satan, demons are real. Young people. They are real. Above all the government power, above all police force, above all banking world authorities, and this is real for me. When our home was put on mortgage sale, that home that God gave me, that home, number 29, the Lord gave that to me and Rob by miracle. And then... To Seven years after we bought it, we just couldn't pay it anymore. And yet, God said at the beginning, this is my gift for you. That time, 2011, I could hear the demons and people laughing. Ah, look at you. You said there was God's present for you. What is it now? 
and the mortgage sales board was already up. You know the plot? Imagine that. Before the eyes of everyone here. Before the eyes of our friends and our enemies. Someone even ranked me. Isn't that amazing? An incredible woman leader. See, the enemy can use anybody. Just let it go, throw. Let it go. Because it, it, it's like a news. I said, I have no choice anyway. <laughs> if it's going to be taken, it will be taken. But I believe, I said, that house was given to us. Incredible. I think it was a week before the auction came. And I remember during that time, looking at that board in front of my house, the Lord made it clear to me, it is from me. Against the odds and the circumstance, I said, Father, this house is given to us by you. So it is your business and I will stand on your side. That's all I could do. What else could I do? I got no money to pay. And it's already the debt. That's all. Someone that I hardly knew, that Robin and I hardly knew, came and paid for two years straight the mortgage per week. By the time the two years ended, we were able to pay it by ourselves. God is good. God never lies. Circumstances are not your God. Your resources are not God. That's the kind of life that Jesus is calling us to. Sickness is not. This is what I used to say. That's right. That's why I said banking. The bank was, was after us. You know, you could feel it. And then I stood, I remember, reading the scripture that Jesus is above all authority. I said, the bank is not my authority. Robin said to me, but they are. Shucks, he wasn't helpful. But you know, you understand, right? That's what I said. The bank is not the authority over me. There's another authority higher than the bank. So that's where we should live. Whatever God says to you about you, your situation right now, whether it's sickness, whether it's, it's finance, anything, ask the Lord what he is saying. That's what surrender means. And just agree with him. All I had was th at that time was agreement with God. That's it. The last, no, second to last. Surrender means not to murmur against the Lord. Murmur is rebellion. Numbers 14, verse 1 and 2. Numbers 14. If I were you, I would start getting excited listening to this message. <laughs> I got excited preparing it because I realized, wow, that's where we should live. Numbers 14. Thank you, Lord, for your word. <coughs> that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Remember that the ten spies have come back and saying that they cannot take the land. They're too weak. All Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the desert. Be careful what you say to the Lord. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Be careful what you desire. Verse 5. 
Oh, verse 4. They said to each other, look at this. The rotters. We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron, there's humility, fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Then Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land. Joshua always, my hero, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And look at the response of the people, but the whole assembly talked about stoning them. What a people. There, but that's what people do. Numbers 14. Verse 20, 24. Let's have a look how God responded. The Lord replied, to, talking to Moses, I've forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times? Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. There's Caleb and Joshua, by the way. But Joshua is already, God already knew that he was with God. Caleb was picked out because he was just one of the men. But he was of different spirits. Why? How? He agreed wholeheartedly with God. He agreed wholeheartedly with what God has said to him. That God has given the land to Israelites. Agree with God. Even if a thousand or a million speak against it. Against God. Agree with God. Do not wish to be somewhere else from where God has put you. God put, put them in the desert. Towards promised land. They wish to be in Egypt. Do not wish to be somewhere else from where God has put you. Learn from the Israelites. They never saw what God has promised because of that. Stop thinking we are so clever in the presence of the Lord that lives inside us. You know, we love to quote this scripture in Isaiah 55. My thoughts are higher than yours. My ways are higher than yours. What, is, what does it mean? It means our plans are plastic to his gold. Our cleverness are plastic to God's gold. Go back to Jesus and Joshua. Live in total submission. We are not perfect. But it is our heart that keeps going, Lord. I'll just give it back to you. Just keep giving it back to you. Number five, the last one. Yippee! Surrender is to have faith in God. <laughs> Hello. Surrender is to have faith in God. Hebrew 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is important to Jesus. Faith is important to Jesus. I put here Luke 8 verse 18. can't remember what it is. 
if you are wishing to be somewhere else from where God has put you, you know, God is so gracious. That's, that's what I love about God. If we ask forgiveness, He forgives. Always. Luke 8, verse 18, what does it say? Here's what it is. Okay, Mark 9. Have faith in God. This is my last attempt. Otherwise, we just carry on. Mark 9, 14 to 15. Don't tell me it's wrong. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> oh, okay, that's right. No, it's right. This is about <coughs> the demonized boy taken to the to the disciples, and they couldn't deliver the boy from the demons. And then Jesus came. What are you arguing with them about? Obviously, the people that brought the boy said, "Gee, you have no power to deliver our boy." And so they start arguing with them. And Jesus said, what's, ha what's happening? A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you, you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, the demon, but they could not. <laughs> Sounds like me. And Jesus said, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. That boy was delivered by Jesus. But, but the point is, faith is important to Jesus. Kathy preached it before. Belief. Now, the closing. Living in God's will, this is the irony. Living in God's will is the safest place, but living in God's will is the place that hell attacks. It's the safest place, but that's the place where the devils attack. The serpent attacks in the perfect will of God. But if you are in God's will, the forces and resources of God are behind you to back you up. If you're in the perfect will of God, that promise that you have been given authority to trample over demons, over snakes and scorpions, that no harm will come to you, is yours. In surrender, he can transform us much quicker makes us very effective witnesses to other people in ways that blows your mind. He uses the simplicity of who you are to bring others to God. You don't have to, to somersault or do circus to bring people to God. Just be you and just do what God has asked you to do and you will see. You don't have to worry. People will get attracted to you. Because that's what Jesus said. If you follow me, I will make you fisher, fishers of people. Let's stand. The call of this season is to be where Jesus is. It's not crisis mode. Crisis mode is in the spiritual. We run from place to place to put up fires. They're popping up everywhere. That's what's happening at the moment. In the spirit, we're running out <sighs> frantically, <gasps> panting. But see, Jesus wants us to be different, to live in that place that even fires come out everywhere. We live in the poise knowing that you're hidden in Jesus. When you surrender your life to Jesus, his life swallows you. Thank you, Father. Just take these few seconds, just renew your surrender to God. 
It's very simple. You say, Father, forgive me for living in the way that I think is good. Forgive me for arguing against you. Forgive me for insisting to have my way. Forgive me for I have grieved your Holy Spirit in us, in me, that has been trying to tell me what to do. But I cannot accept him. I cannot accept what he says. So I ask forgiveness and I humble myself before you. And I surrender myself, my heart, my mind afresh to you. So just do it before God. Engage with him. Young people, your mom and dad can't do it for you. You have to surrender to Jesus yourself. Thank you, Lord. Come to us, Father. You are so kind. You are so forgiving.